Hello. We're back. Waktar. Why are we talking about rabbits? This is Greg Gilbertson playing music for this very own show. Brought to you by First Things Foundation. This is Waktar. This is the second conversation about usury. By the way, I'm wearing my Padres hat today. It's a throwback hat. I don't know if you can see it. You probably can't. I want to believe that in San Diego, there's no usury, but there is. So last week, we talked about this idea of lending at interest, offering $100 and then wanting more back than what you offered. This week is why time. This is why. Why? Why are people nervous about interest, you might ask? Because as you probably are guessing by the third conversation, I'm probably going to rail against interest and banks. And you're not going to care because I'm just some guy in my basement. I mean, it's not actually a basement, though, but you get the point. I actually think, though, I'm tapping into something. I'm tapping into something, some global wisdom, some orthodox East Eastern wisdom. I think I'm tapping into reality. That's what I think. That's why I do this particular conversation about interest rates. On the third conversation, yeah, I'm, uh, it's, yeah, there's some implications in all this. Today, we talk about why people fear it, okay? And how the heck did we get here to interest central? Let's call it that. The great national interest race. All right. One common theme from history is that usury promotes sloth. You see this a lot in Islamic scholarship. Their most vaunted teachers, imams, they argue that permitting trade, in other words, trading items is not at odds with forbidding usury, right? But that there's something about usury that doesn't speak to initiative, enterprise, and efficiency. What the Muslim scholars teach, especially early on, is that profits create value, right? Or they should, but only profits taking from creative endeavors. Interest is not so. Money back on money you lent, right? It's fixed. And they actually argue this. It's fixed. Even if profit fluctuates, even if the person who, I don't know, starts the business fails, they still owe the fixed interest to whoever lent it to them. In the case of interest, you know your return and you can be sure of it. And that, they argue, is a decrease. It hurts and degrades creativity. In the case of profit, you have to work to insure it. And sitting around collecting interest on a loan makes you look like a dick, a sloth a loser. Again, I'm not exactly quoting from the Quran, but you get it, right? It's said that in the Quran that usury is like, quote, selling a loaf of bread, then charging more to eat it. And that's interesting because Thomas Aquinas, the Catholic theologian, he said something similar because he was actually reading a ton of Muslim texts. And he said, charging interest is akin to selling the same thing twice. Across the board, old world Christians argued again and again that true dignity and full reward of ordinary labor is compromised by usury, lending at interest. Money becomes the end in and of itself. It is the thief of creativity. This is both Islamic and Christian. 
It robs a person. This is, I love this phrase. It robs a person of the sweat he should burn in order to bring beauty into the world. A thief of creativity, a robber of sweat, a destroyer of beauty. That's what usury is, lending at interest. And you're like, well, I mean like a little interest. No, no, don't do it. That's the old school. No, that's not true. That is the old world at times being very proactive against and prohibited, prohibitive of lending at interest. A second reason you see in history all the time in terms of old world, new world stuff in the old world and now in the new world, this is starting to become an argument as well, is usury Fs the little guy. It screws him. It screws them. It screws the poor. And in particular, you see a lot of medieval writings. And if you go back to the Byzantine Empire, you see this too. High interest rates screw the farmers. Every usury-hating culture fears that usury will screw the farmers. It's fascinating, right? Even today, right now, in one could argue in a secular India, but you know, there's a lot of Hindus there. Right now in India, they're passing a law against usury. They're trying using this word, these words in court. I am quoting from the court case: "Quote: Usury is the rankest." most extortionate, most merciless sin against humanity. Usury eats the marrow out of the bones of the cultivators and condemns them to life of penury and slavery. That's, that's kind of like the F word being used in court in India. And that's modern day India, right? trying to go back to their ancient India roots to get lenders off of farmers' backs, right? This protection of the farmers in the old world was a type of willingness to protect those who fed society. And I've got a clip from Grapes of Wrath, and I want you to hear it. Just listen to it if you can hear it. Well, you're going to hear it, but listen to it. It's very interesting. And if you can watch it, watch it. It's great. Here we go. John Steinbeck the scene from his movie, or from the movie uh, Grapes of Wrath, called Who Do We Shoot? After what them dust has done to the land, the tenant system don't work no more. They don't even break even, much less show a profit. Why, one man and a tractor can handle 12 or 14 of these places. You just pay them a wage and take all the crop. Yeah, but uh, we couldn't do on any less than what our share is now. Well, the children ain't getting enough to eat as it is. And they're so ragged. We'd be ashamed if everybody else's children wasn't the same way. I can't help that. All I know is I got my orders. They told me to tell you to get off, and that's what I'm telling you. You mean get off my own land? Oh, don't go to blaming me. It ain't my fault. Whose fault is it? You know who owns the land, the Shawnee Land and Cattle Company. And who's the Shawnee Land and Cattle Company? So you can see the farmers are trying to figure out who this guy that showed up in his car. Nobody had cars. Well, some people had cars, but not a lot of the farmers did. And who showed up was a representative of the bank, the people who lend at interest. And you can hear them saying, hold on a second. This is my land. I got to leave. This is what old, old world cultures feared, is that the money, the food making class would not be able to supply food for the money making class. Let's listen to a little bit more. It ain't nobody. It's a company. They got a president, ain't they? 
They got somebody who knows what a shotgun's for, ain't they? Oh, son, it ain't his fault because the bank tells him what to do. All right. Where's the bank? Tulsa. What's the use of picking on him? He ain't nothing but the manager. And he's half crazy himself trying to keep up with his orders from the east. Then who do we shoot? Brother, I don't know. If I did, I'd tell you. I just don't know who's to blame. Well, I'm right here to tell you, mister, there ain't nobody gonna push me off my land. My grandpa took up this land 70 years ago. My pa was born here. We was all born on it. And some of us was killed on it. And there you go. There you have it. You have a scene from a life of Bill Gates. Bill's just, if you can see it, you see Bill driving off <laughs> before he managed to buy that guy's land. And like, what is it now? It's like 60%. I have no idea. Do not quote me. Don't be mad. It's a lot of land. If you want to put in the notes, if you want to make a comment about how much land, I believe you, but I don't know, but I know it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Well, that's what people argued happened, would happen if there's too much lending at interest. The mechanisms of that are simply that when you lend at interest, money goes upward, right? That's the third reason I want to share with you. Societies that allow for high interest rates and really lending at all, what they do is it, those societies do a very bad job of distributing wealth. And you're like, is this guy a commie? What's happening here? I'm sorry, distribution of wealth is a part of society. Every society that's ever happened, you got to figure out how to distribute wealth. Calm down. If you have a lot of lending in your society, you're likely to be worse and worse at distributing wealth. So both in the old world and the new world, we see that this is a common reason for arguing against usury. It's just a bad thing to have a lot of interest-bearing money out in the economy, right? Money lent flows up. It's debilitating for a society if all the money goes to the top. A, a study in Germany, study of German society by Germans in the 1990s show that while the poorest 2.5 million households paid out 1.8 billion in interest, the richest 2.5 million households received 34 billion in interest payments. I don't know what to tell you about that. I'm not here to tell you it's good or bad. That seems bad. 1.8 billion paid out by the poorest people, 34 billion received by the wealthiest people. What? Wait, shouldn't it be 1.8? paid out and then 1.8 in oh that'd be called interest right the 90s were a good time for the richest people in germany the farmers the poorest not so good we know this already right i don't i die baby dei dei diversity equity and inclusion that's what i sound like but i'm telling you nod your heads right now because it's real yeah it's a thing, and you shouldn't want it in your society. Dangerous. Want another reason? While well, people in the past, and people today really, think lending's not a great idea? Because lending at interest plays on a weird human intuition. 
what, and here it is, what I have now will be worth less in the future. So here's the trick. Here's the weird intuition that economists see, philosophers see, everybody sees if you stop and think about it. So if what I have now will be worth less in the future, it's really important that I get as much now as I possibly can in terms of money and spend it, preferably on the things that might be kind of not worth as less in the future. So if I can get as much as I want right now and someone's willing to lend it to me, let's get it done. And writers in the old world, well, I should say again, Christians, Muslims, Jews to an extent, what they said was, right? What they talk about is this. Plato, in his writing on interest regarding civil discourse, he says there's a concept that when I get a pocket full of dough from a loan right now, it will inevitably be worth less in the future. Money will devaluate over time, so spend it now. And for Plato, what he's saying and what the Christians picked up on, the Neoplatonists as well, what they said is it creates a type of thinking, a type of epistemology. And you're nodding. I know, because this is America. It's how it feels. Use money now to get things that will appreciate in the future less, like land and housing. But the spiritual problem here is that lending encourages more than a spending spree. It encourages a type of epistemology. It encourages a way of seeing your immediate moment. It encourages a way of being in the immediate moment. It says things like, oh, I don't want to have kids right now as the future will surely be harder on them. And they kind of depreciate, let's be honest. They get more and more expensive, right? Kids don't appreciate. Don't have a baby now and subject her to a devalued future. Babies don't appreciate. Don't have a hard thing now. Don't do a hard thing now. Do the hard things later. But a car, let's get one of those bad boys because that thing, I got to get it while it's hot. I got to take the loan and do the deal and buy the house now. It creates immediacy in the moment and it values immediate wealth, right? Money devalues, loans are about now. And they create a mindset about the present that creates a never-ending chain of immediacy, which is a spending mentality. And that mentality destroys the spiritual life. It makes all value potentially fleeting. But in societies that value the next world, some things have infinite value. Some things are appreciated because they make you struggle. Whoa. Lit. Flop. Kids are appreciated because they actually are a part of your salvation. They actually make you struggle, which makes you better. The appreciation is toward heaven, not toward the immediate moment. Spouses, martyr crowns. You get married in part to die. <laughs> I, I didn't make it up. Everybody who's got married knows it. And every Orthodox Christian got crowned. Martyr crowns. Yikes. Why would I want that now? Because you know that's a type of appreciation that will lead into heaven. And what's being argued is, is that type of appreciation is not consistent with the epistemology or the way of thinking of a lender at interest.
lenders and interest are thinking about now. And they want you to think about now, right? The cool Tesla, that's nice, but it doesn't have real value into eternity. No one would argue that. But yet uh, we've learned to believe that it has deeper value than the things of eternity, right? It has, the Tesla's got to get yours now value. Next week, we'll end our investigation with a look at how American society went from fearing usury to utterly embracing it. Next week, we finish the usury conversation on water. Who loves you? See you next week. Let's leave with some Greg Gilbertson. Go to www.first-things.org and but let's put Greg's song in so you can hear music while you donate. Who loves you? See you soon. Peace out. See you in, well, Montanica, but I think this will come out after Montanica. So if you were in Montanica, so was I. Gave a little talk. And I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. Peace out. Bye-bye.